0: Today on the show, we're going to talk about some things that are pretty obvious after losing my sight, but maybe they're not so obvious to everyone else. This is Life After Sight Loss Radio, episode 56. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast helping you discover life, after sight loss my name is derek daniel i am your host and resident vip aka visually impaired person hey if you're new to the program welcome aboard this is the place where we do product reviews we talk life advice encouragement how to's emotional support relationships technology and so much more all with the express purpose of helping individuals and families who are going through or facing physical sight loss Hey there, guys. Thank you so much for joining me this week. We're going to have a great time because today we're talking about some of those things that I've learned over the years, and they just seem like second nature to me. They seem sort of obvious, but they're probably not so obvious to a lot of other people. Plus, we got a great question that came in about whether a person should use a white cane or not, and I've got a great tech tip. If you've got Mac OS, if you use a Mac of any sort, we got a tech tip about that. But before we begin, as always, I want to let you know that you can find today's show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 056. Show notes includes links, information, ways to subscribe, and keep in touch, so I would love for you to hop on over and get those show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash Recently, I had somebody contact me and ask me this question about using a white cane. Now, I did a video recently talking about the benefits versus the sort of negative aspects of using a white cane, and sometimes it's that sort of negative persona that we get, but whenever we use a white cane, there are so many benefits. Well, somebody asked me, hey, I'm thinking of registering blind, and, you know, that's sort of a UK term, or at least a European term, I should say, and so whenever they were talking about registering blind, it was kind of like, what do you think about using the white cane? Do you think I should? Do you think I should just use an ID cane, a long cane? What kind of things do you think? because here's the reason I'm thinking about it. And the reasons they gave were obviously for travel, uh, for people to watch out for them and things like that. And here's kind of what I said to them. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because if you're newly visually impaired or you're somebody who hasn't used a cane before and you're thinking about it, you want to keep a couple things in mind. First of all, remember that using a cane isn't just picking up a cane and walking around with it. There's more to it than that. Typically, people go through something called orientation and mobility training. Uh, around the world, it might be just be called mobility. Uh, some people call it cane training, I know, but you want to go through something like that with your cane because that's going to help you get around. It's going to help you travel. It's going to help you use the cane in the most appropriate way possible because there are certain unique, I don't know, tips and tricks to, to using the cane and, you know, skills that we use, and I, and I don't want to put it too lightly like, oh, just try this, but there are certain skills that you have, and people call it their cane skills and things like that, so it's not just picking up a cane and going for it, so if you're thinking about about using a cane, make sure you keep that in mind first. Secondly, uh, for those of you who think, oh, well, I'll have a cane and people will recognize that I'm visually impaired and they'll watch out for me. I hate to burst that bubble, but but a lot of times people don't notice. I was walking through Walmart the other day and I had my cane out, you know, and usually when I have my cane, it's an opportunity to let some of that residual vision just kind of rest and I don't have to focus on it so much because when I don't have my cane, I don't, quote, look blind like we've talked about before, and so people really aren't paying attention. But you think when I have the cane, they totally will pay attention, right? Well, no, because I walked across this aisle and this cart was coming at me and it got pretty close before the person sort of stopped. And I say sort of stopped because they didn't really stop, they slowed and sort of went around me. And here's the thing I couldn't see that cart until it was really close to me. You know, I there was nothing I was going to do, I wasn't going to dodge it. And I didn't think it was my part, you know, to play in that moment to be like, oh, excuse me. Because I'm the blind one here, you know. I'm supposed. To, you're supposed to watch out for me. But the reality is, they didn't. And people just don't. It's not because they're dumb or stupid or anything else. It's just they got their own stuff going on. Especially if they're driving a car, talking to the kids, listening to the radio, they're not going to pay attention to that big cane in the street. Now, some people will, but you can't count on that. So just kind of keep that in mind. It's not the first. Thing. Yes, many people will recognize the white cane, but not everybody's looking out for you. And finally, bear in mind that using a cane will mean something as you go out about whether it's an ID cane which is a little shorter or a long cane you know that sort of typical the white cane look it's going to mean something and what it means for you may be different but it's going to mean that people are going to look at you a little differently they might interact with you differently they might have certain questions for you and things like that and none of that's bad I guess unless they treat you badly but none of that's bad it's just something you have to be prepared for so it's going to be a little bit different using that cane as it would be if you had a guide dog or any other such thing it's going to be a little bit different so just keep that in mind as you prepare for cane usage. Now, as always, guys, I love talking to you, and I would love to walk through this journey with you, so make sure you visit my coaching page, which you can find in the show notes, find the link to that. I'd love to sort of walk through this journey with you, but remember that something like this is more than just talking to another blind user. You want to get that O&M training, that orientation mobility, that cane training, so you want to find a local organization that knows an orientation and mobility instructor that you can get connected with because, yeah, sure, I can give you tips and tricks and thoughts and all that sort of thing. But you want to get connected with a professional in this regard. So, if that's something you're interested in, I'd love to talk to you about it and help you find that person in your area. So, make sure you go to the show notes to get the link to my coaching page. So the other day, I was on Twitter, and I was contacted by this person who was asking about the best cell phone for somebody who's visually impaired. Well, naturally, you know, I suggested the iPhone, and there's a couple of Android phones that they could use and things like that. And they asked me, well, how do they use the iPhone because of the screen? Because I had asked them initially, what kind of screen size are you looking for? Because if you have some limited vision, you might want the bigger screen. I use the iPhone 8 Plus. I want that big Mac massive screen so I can see a little bit what I'm doing. Obviously, I can't read it per se, but I can kind of navigate the screen. And so I asked that question. They said, oh, no, they're totally blind. Screen doesn't matter. So my initial thought was, oh, okay, well, they don't really care how big the screen is. Well, what they came back with was, you know what? I uh, I, I don't know how they use the phone. Is it voice activated? Because how they navigate the screen? And what I realized was they didn't know that the iPhone had VoiceOver built in. They, they didn't know that. And I was like, how do you not know that? <laughs> doesn't everybody know that? And well, the reality is, no, everybody doesn't know that because that's not something that's commonplace for people who are sighted or have just lost their sight. So I thought about some things that I have gained knowledge of over the years and that I just know. And I thought, I wonder how many people don't know these things or at least don't understand them fully. So today I'm going to give you seven things, seven things that I have learned over the years and have become sort of obvious and commonplace in my life but maybe aren't obvious and commonplace to everyone. Now, as we go through this, keep in mind that you might know these things too. They might be clearly obvious to you. Maybe you don't know these things. Maybe you're like, wow, I learned a lot from this. Either way, it's important to remember that regardless of how much we know, number one, we're always learning new things. Even those of us who've been blind a long time, we're always learning new things. And number two, just because you know something doesn't mean everybody does. So we need to be patient and kind and teach people and educate people. So let's jump into those seven things that are so obvious to me, but maybe not to everyone else. Alright, first up on the list is of course what I talked about. Smartphones, the big touchscreen smartphones, typically are very accessible. Most of the major brands will have a screen reader built in. Obviously the iPhone has voiceover and many of the Android phones, especially sort of the, I don't know, higher tier phones, things like Samsung and and the Pixel and things like that, they're going to have something called TalkBack built into the phone as well. Now, we're not getting into the idea of iPhone versus Android and all that sort of thing. My point is, many of the major smartphones today have have accessibility built right into the operating system so just because it's a touch screen with hardly any hardware buttons on it doesn't mean that you can't use it in fact in many cases you can use it right out of the box you might just need a sighted person to help you you know flip on the accessibility or whatever the case may be now again if you have been blind any number of years you probably know this but somebody who just lost their sight looking at this phone that they can't see the screen anymore and they're like how am i going to use this i can't I touch it and oh it's." it's." It's like, you know what, it's got accessibility, it's got a screen reader, and even in that, learning the screen reader can be a bit of a challenge. So the first thing that I think I just, I know by heart now is that my iPhone is super accessible because of the screen reader that's built in. Secondly, and we've talked a lot about this because I love it, many TV shows and movies have audio description. So if you go to the movie theater, a lot of the big major movies are going to have audio description. For example, my son and I just went to see Avengers, Infinity War, and... First of all, it was a great movie. I mean, I was if you haven't seen it, see it. It's a great movie. Secondly, it had great audio description. Now, how did I get it? Well, when you go buy your tickets, you go to a little booth, you say, hey, I want the audio description for this movie, and make sure they give you the description, not the glasses or whatever for the closed captioning. Make sure they give you that. And it described in between the dialogue, and it's fantastic. It's just, oh, it really makes movie watching so much more enjoyable for me when I don't have to ask what's going on or I miss jokes, or you know, whatever the case may be. So I, I just really like it. But there's so many other areas that have audio description. Netflix has a huge amount of TV shows and movies with audio description. Amazon Prime just added a bunch to their library that have audio description. Uh, Hulu recently got sued, so they'll probably be adding a bunch in the near future as well. Uh, New Blu-rays and DVDs, a lot of them have audio description. Now, not everything. Some of the maybe the less popular movies aren't going to have it, but there's so much out there... And I'm going to include a link in the show notes. It's for the, uh, I don't know if it's the American Council of the Blind, something like that. It's it's sort of their audio description, I don't know, hub and warehouse where it's like, here's all the things that have it, at least up to this point that we know. So I'm going to include a link to that in the show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 056 because I think you'll find that interesting if you don't know about audio description. And if you do, you know how great it is. So secondly, we know lots of stuff has audio description. Now third up on the list, and this isn't a knock to anybody that does this, but I realize that I don't have to start wearing dark sunglasses and carry a cane around with me. Now I know we talked about using a cane earlier, but the thing about it is whenever somebody is sighted or somebody recently loses their sight, they automatically say, Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to wear these dark sunglasses now and I have to carry a cane or a guide dog and I have to look as you know, I have to be this thing. It's like, no, no. Sight loss is the physical loss of your sight. That's it. It does not change your identity. It does not change who you are as a person. It does not mean you have to wear certain clothes or glasses or any other such thing. Now, obviously, a white cane is a great tool. A guide dog is wonderful. There's all kinds of amazing things. You know, you might have light sensitivity, so you need to wear sunglasses. It's a whole thing, but it is not an automatic sort of, I now have to quote, look blind. You still live your life. You are who you are, and none of that is going to change. Yes, you might have some extra tools in your bag now because of sight loss, but you don't automatically have to, quote, become something you're not. And I think that's important to remember, especially when we're first going through sight loss. If if you went through sight loss many years ago, think back on how much of a struggle it was with identity, like who am I now and who am I becoming and that sort of thing. We know that many years later, it's I am this person and it's a great thing. You know, I'm a great person or whatever, but when we first lose our sight, it can be a challenge. So I just want to encourage you that if you are newly visually impaired, one of the things I know for. sure, and you will learn over time, is that you don't have to accommodate for anyone else and you don't have to become something you're not. You don't have to just put on dark sunglasses and, and carry a cane on the first day. You just become whoever you are and let those tools work for you. Number four on our list is there's way more to getting a guide dog than just going and picking one up. I think a lot of people assume that, oh, I have a lab. I'll just slap on a harness and it'll be my guide dog. And clearly that's not the way it works. Even if you think, oh no, they got to get trained. You might think, well, I'll just go get one. You see, when I went to get my guide dog, and this was years ago, and it's probably even more so today, that I had to stay for nearly a month of training at the facility. This was, you know, and this was over Thanksgiving at the time I went and I was there for Thanksgiving. Like I had to be there for almost a month. I think it was 25, 26 days, something like that because they put in thousands of dollars to training these dogs. They don't want to give them out to just some random person who's like, hey, I'll take one, thanks, you know. And not only are they training the dog, then they put a lot of hours into you so that you know how to effectively use the dog, you can problem solve, you can do all those things and it takes a long time to get it. Even just that month of being there isn't all the training you get. I mean, it takes six months to a year to become a really good working team. So if anybody out there has a guide dog, you know what that's like. And if anybody's thinking about getting a guide dog, you may have this idea that it's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll just go get a guide dog. That'd be fun. It would not – well, hold on. It will be fun. It's it's great. It's just awesome. But it's not just like, yay, getting the guide dogs, a whole bunch of fun it's not just that there's a whole lot of work that goes into it and there's some tearful days and it's a lot. So don't get me wrong. Um, but I think I want people to know that, you know what, it's a lot more than I ever thought it would be. And now I know that. And and when people talk about it, I can share it with them, but that's the point. Not everybody knows that. So remember that getting a guide dog, while it is great and amazing and wonderful, it's probably a little more work than you think. Number five on the list is that many places actually have accessible items if you'll just ask. So for example, I did a video last year about Disney World, how my wife and I went to Disney World and they have this device that audio describes many things in the park. You know, where you're walking, it gives you some navigation, gives you some information. It will audio describe some of the shows and the attractions and things like that. And all you have to do is go to the front and ask for it and there it is. You know, things like museums, they have things like that. Uh, Obviously there are restaurants that offer different um, menus and so forth. There's just a lot of things that are accessible nowadays if we'll just ask. Now, obviously, not everything's accessible. We're working on that, and things are becoming more accessible as we go, but I would venture to guess that if you'll ask around, you can probably find many accessible things, accessible items, whatever it might be, whether it's description or a tactile way of doing something, whatever it is, you can probably find a way to do it if you'll just ask, if you'll take that step forward and say, hey, I wonder if there's a way to do this accessible, you know, to make this accessible, to have this ability to do this sort of thing. If you'll ask... They'll probably have something. Even if they don't have something, a lot of companies are very willing to be like, well, you know, we don't really have something for that. Is there something we can do? And they'll be accommodating for you. I'm, I remember once I went horseback riding and I talked to the person beforehand and I said, hey, I'm visually impaired. I'm not going to be able to really, you know, follow necessarily. So what what do we do? And they were so gracious and so kind. They put me on this horse. I think the horse's name was Dirt. Yeah, Dirt. No, that's not, you're not hearing that wrong, dirt, like outside. Um, and they said, this horse is the best horse in following. He will stick right to the the lead horse. And so they had a the lead horse and then me and then others behind me so that, you know, if something happened, they had people around me. And they were just so kind and very accommodating, very helpful, all because I just told them and I asked and they were very helpful. So there are all kinds of things like that. And if you'll just ask, 10 to 1 says, you're probably going to find something that's accessible. Number six, and this is sort of on a spectrum here, but you're not always going to have those initial emotions and they're not going to last forever. So we've talked about it before Aaron, on the podcast, on YouTube, and so forth, that sometimes those initial emotions are anger and sadness and sorrow and fear and all those sort of things. And they're very intense and they're very focused and you're just feeling them all the time. And the thing about it is, I know now that I'm not always going to be angry. You know, even if today is bad, I know that tomorrow will probably be better. Even if I'm feeling very sad today, I'll probably feel happy tomorrow. Like, I'm able to tell myself that and believe it now because it's obvious to me because I've been through it. And I don't even think about how when a sad day is sad, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm sad. I'll just be sad and tomorrow will be better. But that's the thing. Not everybody realizes that because they've not been through it. So if you've been visually impaired for only a short amount of time, and I don't mean a couple of days, I mean this could be a couple of years, you're probably still feeling strong emotions and wondering, oh, is this emotion ever going to end? Am I going to be angry forever? Am I going to be sad forever? You know, whatever it is. And I can tell you with – a lot of confidence that no you're not going to be forever it might seem like forever but one of those days is going to shift and change you might not be able to believe it now but i'll believe it for you and i'm sure people listening that have gone through it they'll believe it for you because it's just how it is and that's how life goes not every day's great but i know that tomorrow will be better and it's pretty obvious to me now but it sure wasn't at first so i just want to encourage you that if you're going through that you know what it's going to get better someday maybe not today Maybe not tomorrow, but soon. And for, th- no, wait, that's a movie quote. Anyway, the point is, it's not always going to be that way. And finally, number seven, and this is sort of a culmination of all these things, there's always someone who is new and doesn't know. There's always someone who's wondering how to use voiceover on their iPhone. There's always someone who says, how can I read the mail? I have low vision. There's always somebody who says, I can't use a computer, or I can't get around, or how am I going to do this? There's always somebody out there who is in need of information and education, and that's where it's our responsibility as people who have this information. Information to share it, even if they're sighted and they don't know and they really genuinely wonder how we do things. It's our job to educate the public, the people who are newly visually impaired, if you've been visually impaired for a long time. And if you're newly visually impaired, then slowly it becomes your job to educate as you learn, you share with others. And that's exactly what this podcast and my YouTube channel and website and everything is all about. It's as I've learned and these things have become obvious to me, I now have the chance to share share it with you and many others around me. Even the sighted people in my life who have no idea how I'd use an iPhone, I get to share with them and they're like, "Wow, that's really cool." It's like, "Yeah, it is really cool." It's not like over the top amazing, but it is over the top amazing I can use a touchscreen phone. I mean, this is so cool. So, I think it's important to remember that there're going to be people out there who wonder how we use a touchscreen smartphone and many other things, but we have the chance to teach them to educate them so So take those opportunities, be kind and gracious, and let just one more person know these things so that they're a little more obvious to them and soon a little more obvious to the next person as well. So there you go, guys, seven things that are pretty obvious to me, but maybe not to everyone else. Now, maybe you knew all of these things. Maybe these were all brand new to you. It doesn't really matter. The point is we all want to learn these things together, and even if you knew them all, you're still learning new things each and every day. So I hope that you'll take these things and others and keep those in mind, learn from them, and then pass them on to someone else. All right, guys, if you have a Mac computer, whether it is an iMac, whether it is a MacBook Pro, a MacBook, a MacBook Air, if you're using something with Mac OS... There has been a recent update and it actually has Smart Invert on it now. So if you've got an iPhone or an iPad, you know that iOS 11 gave us Smart Invert, which basically means that it inverts the colors. It gives you a black background with white lettering. However, with inverted colors, it would turn the pictures and videos into a negative form as well. And so you're like, what is this? I don't know what, I don't know what to do here. Well, with Smart Invert, it still inverts the background and the black text into white but now it doesn't invert the videos or the pictures and a lot of apps are coming on board for example twitter on the iphone It has a black background already, but when you have Smart Invert, it knows that and won't turn it white with black lettering. It'll keep it that way. Now, not all apps are like that, but some of them are, and there's more and more coming along the way. Now, with macOS, recently they had an update, and now their platform does it as well. So on many websites, I've noticed that, for example, on YouTube, now when you turn on Invert Colors, it doesn't invert the videos, which has been really interesting. And it's like, how does this work? I don't know this. it's like, wow, that's really cool. Uh, when you go look at stuff, for example, you go to Amazon or Best Buy or something like that and you're looking for some electronics, the pictures it has they aren't inverted any longer and so you get the black background with the white text but the pictures aren't inverted and so if you're using a mac it's something to remember always update if you can for security reasons but it's a great little update and helps with all of the colors and things like that plus keep the videos and pictures where they need to be so try it out let me know what you think smart invert on mac os All right, my friends. Well, we have talked about a whole lot today, and as we round the corner, I just want to remind you that I love hearing from all of you. Feedback is fun, everybody, so let me know what you think. And today, I want to hear what is one of those things that I talked about today that you either didn't know or did know. I want to know. It's like, yeah, that was super obvious to me, Derek, or I learned it here, or wait, I, I didn't know that, and I'm so glad I, I learned that, or whatever the case may be, because I want to hear from all of you. So you can do that a few different ways. You can email me, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at loss.com. You can send me a tweet at the Derek Daniel, or you can call me and leave me a voicemail, and the number to do that is 317-721-1027. Now, if you're international, I don't believe that number will work for you, but you you can always email me a voice message and I'll get it that way. But if you want to leave a voicemail, make sure you do that. Leave your name, your comment, and I'll feature it on the podcast. I'd love to get a voicemail from you guys. So, again, the number to do that is 317-721-1027. And I look forward to hearing from all of you very soon. All right, guys. Just a few housekeeping items. First of all, if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, make sure that you do that. You can do that over at the show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 056. Right underneath the player, there are buttons for Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Subscribe on Android and make sure that you do because it's totally free and you won't miss another single episode. And if you are, you know, chumming around the internet, you want to leave a rating and review over in iTunes or in the other places that you can leave a rating. I think there's Stitcher has the option to do that and so forth, I'd love to see a rating and review from you guys. It lets me know that you're listening to the podcast and it lets other people know what this thing's all about when they find it and they want to subscribe as well. So ratings and reviews are always welcome, but make sure you subscribe so you don't miss another single episode. And hey, I mentioned about getting in touch with me. If you go to com slash contact, you can find all the ways I mentioned, plus all my social media stuff as well. And hey, if you've made it all the way to the end of the podcast, I want to ask you a quick question. I'm thinking about starting a Facebook group for listeners of the show, viewers of the YouTube channel, things like that, where we can interact and maybe have a weekly sort of Q&A or whatever else. I'm thinking about starting a Facebook group. What do you guys think? Would you like that? Let me know. Send me an email or a tweet or something like that, and let me know. If you'd be interested in joining a Facebook group for Life After Sight Loss Radio for the YouTube channel where we can just talk, share, and, you know, ask questions and all that good stuff, I'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for your feedback. And finally, if my stats are correct, then a lot more of you are listening to the podcast, and I want to say a big, huge enormous, gigantic thank you for joining me each and every week on the podcast the last few weeks. You're listening. I'm getting feedback. It's so much fun. So again, if you have joined me in the last few weeks, if my stats are correct, then I just want to say a huge thank you. And that brings us around towards the end. Hey, guys, remember that all the information found in today's episode is intended for informational and educational purposes only. If you're in need of professional, medical, or legal advice, please seek out a specialist in your area. Thank you so much for listening wherever you are. And until next time, remember that sight loss isn't the end. It's just the beginning. My name is Derek Daniel from lifeaftersightloss.com and I'll see you in the next one.